0: Hey everyone, creator Renee here once again to let you know, yep, you guessed it, you're going to want to listen through all the way to the end of this episode because we have another fabulous trailer for you, this time from Spectre. Spectre is a new sci-fi space opera audio drama that explores the expanses of unknown space, throwing the characters into hijinks and shenanigans while also solving a larger overarching problem with military overstep and unchecked technological growth. Listen, the sound design is impeccable, the ensemble cast, beyond charming. If you've got a sci-fi itch, this one is for you, I promise. All right, and that's it for me. Let's get you back to the Badlands.
1: Badlands Cola, episode 5, Buried. Up, up, Gumshoe? You didn't have to come. Don't you have a radio station to babysit? And miss a chance to hit up the diner? I queued up a solid hour of Psychedelic Rock. I'm officially on break. If you say so. Thanks for
2: recommending this place. I haven't had a proper meal since I got here.
1: Well, Paleontology Center's closed, so might as well show you our second best tourist attraction. What do you want? Oh, um... I don't know. What the cheeseburger sounds pretty good. What does this mean? We're suddenly friends or something? Absolutely not. I just don't hate you enough to let you starve. Yet. Fries? Why not? Great. Two cheeseburger combos and uh, milkshake, cherry, please. Thanks.
2: Coming right up. That'll be eighteen twenty-five, please.
1: Oh, please don't pay. Not a big
2: deal. Oh, well, you're making me break a rule.
1: The rule that says don't take cheeseburgers from strangers?
2: A rule that says never accept gifts from informants.
1: Informants? Oof. Just take the free burger and tell me what you found out at the paleontology center.
2: I found a paleontologist.
1: Wow. I- I- incredible.
2: How much do they pay you again? A paleontologist acting strangely.
1: Yeah, no, that still doesn't narrow it down.
2: Here you go. Two cheese combos and a
3: cherry malt.
1: Thanks, kid. Alright, you can tell me all about Sunny's day at Dinoland, but first, we eat. Here. Oh, the milkshake's for me. I'm not going to let you come to a drive-in and not get a milkshake. Hmm. Besides, I'm already set.
2: What is that?
1: May I present Badlands Cola. Town's attempt at making its own brand of pop back in the 70s when this place was really booming. You know, upsell the tourists and gas stations, that sort of thing. It never caught on, of course, so the town ended up just giving away crates of the stuff. It is my personal goal to work through the surviving stock. Be impressed.
2: Yeah, is that dust on the glass? That... That has got
1: to be expired. Definitely. And free. Cheers.
2: Just past midnight, we sit on the hood of Strathcona's Mustang and devour our cheeseburgers like a couple of broke college kids with nowhere better to be. The food drips grease through its checker print paper, tastes completely mediocre, and yet somehow manages to be the best thing I've eaten in months. I almost forget about the man sitting beside me in the same flannel he was wearing when I fetched him out of the moon house, brooding and chugging bootleg pop like he's getting paid to do both. This isn't the first time I've seen him up close, but it is the first time I'm not desperately trying to ignore what I see. And there are details that I missed. A face worn and toughened by sun, despite his seemingly nocturnal lifestyle. Long limbs that I can't quite picture cramped up in that awful bus, and... Some of the most dreadful, shoulder-crunching, lumbar-torturing posture I've ever seen. He swallows a mouthful of burger, then catches me from the corner of his eye.
1: So, the paleontologist let you in?
2: Well, uh, I kinda
1: broke in. Just non-stop crime with you, eh?
2: Hey, no one here locks their doors. And anyway, there's literally just the one paleontologist up there, Dr. Gillespie.
1: Ah, The one giving me updates on the
2: closure. He was, uh, not a fan of my barging in, but, you know, normal enough. Until the subject of Jasper Moon came up.
1: Is that surprising to you? It's a touchy subject for this town.
2: Wasn't just a touchy subject. Gillespie knew someone who was directly involved with the Moon cult. Uh, Another paleontologist named, uh,
1: Levesque. Oh. Wait, did you know him? Small town. Everyone knows everyone. He's also dead.
2: Yeah, Dr. Gillespie told me, but that's all I could get out of him.
1: How did it happen? Was it the cult? That's the leading theory. Probably even more so now that Jasper's behind bars. No one really knows the details. Jasper brought his people out to the Badlands one night, and some of them never came back. Levesque went missing that night. Wrong place, wrong time, maybe. Like I said, it was never proven.
2: You're talking about the Sparville incident, aren't you? I mean, that's what my handler calls it. So you have done some research. Well, little I can get my hands on. The, the department refuses to declassify the details. All I know is that four people ate it in the desert and Jasper was involved. That's it. I want to know if you've heard more.
1: Remember how I said the cult was a touchy subject? Yes. The Sparville incident is a giant festering wound of a subject.
2: Oh, so what? Just add it to the pile of other incredibly fucked up things that you refuse to talk about? Hey,
1: I told you about Mel, didn't I? If I think you're missing something important, I'll tell you. Sure you will. So, Levex, just another dead end, then.
2: Why did I think you'd be helpful tonight? Why, indeed. Why are you still here? What? I mean, you're, what, mid 30s? No kids, no mortgage. You work a job you hate at a radio station that no one listens to. Your only friend appears to be a geriatric woman with an RV park and a gun. You live in a bus. All that against a backdrop of desert murder and dinosaur bone cults. D- dude. Sorry. Sorry. Force a habit. It's my job to squeeze people for details, remember?
1: Is this a cross-examination, or the world's worst attempt at small talk?
2: The latter. I just can't figure out why you'd stay.
1: I don't know. (laughs) Is there a single question you won't dodge? I'm, I'm not... Look, I'm not dodging this time. I just don't have an answer. Look, I know you've seen the worst this town has to offer, but it's had its fair share of good people, too.
2: Uh, Would Melinda Moon fall into that category?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think she would. But I also think it's been a long time.
2: Doesn't that freak you out? Uh, Looking back at things, I mean. Knowing what you know now.
1: What, like being friends with the Moon Kid?
2: I don't know. Being within sniffing distance of one of the most dangerous cults in Canada's
1: history. Look, Mel... Mel and I were kids. We were doing our own thing. It didn't affect us. And when you got older? I told you, Mel moved away and then Jasper did too. People lose touch. I wasn't exactly inviting him over for dinner, if that's what you're asking.
2: So you're saying everything was totally fine and good and normal. Well... You're telling me whatever happened in that house yesterday never happened to you before.
1: Oh my god, the house again.
2: But it has happened to you before. I heard you tell Hawthorne it was getting worse. You called it a rabbit hole. What does that mean?
1: This town, it... Things... happen here that... aren't easy to explain. Try me. Have you ever been in a high school gym when all the lights are turned off? Or or laid down in the middle of a parking lot at 3 in the morning? flat on your back on the asphalt. And it's it's like you're the only person alive. Like time just, just skips over you. And the parking lot goes on forever in every direction. If you looked away that little patch of the world would stop existing. And when you looked back, it would be just, just slightly different than you remembered. Maybe. That's this town. That's the moon house. What? Still profoundly unhelpful. Right, I forgot. You only care about evidence and leads. Well, they're all I got. Okay, that and opportunistic break-ins. Well, do us both a favor and get some sleep before you go busting into the next informant's house. I'm not reviving you with free milkshakes every time you work yourself into the ground. Get off my car.
2: The hood of the Mustang is warm, and as the exhaustion of my long day kicks in, I find it a minor struggle to ease down off the grill with my half-melted milkshake in hand. The calories from my midnight dinner probably aren't making it any easier. Suddenly, all I can think of is my lumpy motel bed. I look to see if Strathcona's slipping into a food coma right along with me, but no. He's tired, sure, but... There's a strange edge to the way he gathers up his cheeseburger wrappings, slams the Mustang door behind him. And it's not just the fact that my existence annoys him. I'm used to that by now. But something else. Even in the dim light cast by the drive-in's neon signs, I can see his hackles raising
1: from a mile away. Hey, where are you headed? Back to the raptor. There's something I need to check out. (laughs)
2: I declare war on cheeseburgers. The food coma after my late-night diner feast is real. After sleeping like a corpse, it's a struggle to wake up in time to polish off some paperwork. Compiling my notes, transcribing the best sound bites from my hours and hours of wire recording, and when I go to send it all to my detective back home, nothing. Internet shortage, something the motel concierge couldn't explain or provide a fix for, which is... What? Oh God! Where is that? Strachcona, come in, please. Over. Walkie-talkie. Strath,
0: this is Hawthorne. You come in now, damn it. Over.
2: Ah, uh, Hawthorne? From Blue Dunes, Hawthorne?
0: Who in the hell is this? Over.
2: <sighs> um, this is Sunny. I found your missing radio jockey. Brought him to your campground. Ate your roast dinner. What? No. You gave me this walkie-talkie.
0: Oh, shoot. I did do that, eh?
2: You should give it back. (sighs) I... Fine. I'll drop it off at Blue Dunes today. And if you do see Strathcona,
0: you tell him that I need him here yesterday.
2: Can't you reach him?
0: What do you think I'm trying to do right now? He is not picking up, okay? It is urgent. I can't find Gary, and I have looked just about everywhere, and I am fit to be tied.
2: Oh, okay, hold on. Someone's missing. No,
0: it's not someone. You know what? Never you mind. It's no skin off your nose. Just, just drop off the walkie-talkie when you can, please. Over.
2: Huh. I don't think we're over just yet, Hawthorne. Hawthorne? Hawthorne? Is
0: that you, sonny? I'm out in the back. Just leave the walkie on the picnic table.
2: Uh, out back where? Of the house? Hawthorne, I'm coming around. I, I want to ask you about this scary person- Ha! Don't oh, shit. A garden of holes. That's what I nearly step right into as I round the corner of Hawthorne's mobile home, nearly shattering my ankle in a foot-deep hole in her gravelly backyard one of a dozen, all seemingly dug by the owner of Blue Dunes herself, who is presently on her knees in the dirt with a bent trowel in one hand and a walkie-talkie in the other. Watch your step! I I told you to leave it out front. Hawthorne, what are you doing back here? I
0: am looking for Gary. Oh, God. Is Gary a dead body? Okay, yeah, Very funny. It's not. It's not funny. What? You don't... You don't remember her? You met her up close and personal just the other day. If you tell me that Gary is the name of your gun... Gary is my rifle, yes. Oh, Jesus, this town. Well, it is better than a body, is it not? Barely. A backyard is a terrible place to keep a gun. I don't like having her in the house. It makes me itchy. So I bury her out here, I dig her up when I need her. It's usually never a problem. Yeah, except now she... It's... missing.
2: Which I'm pretty sure is a federal crime not to report.
0: Well, are you gonna help me find her? Or are you gonna be an accomplice to a federal crime? What? You want me to dig? Oh, Jesus, darling, would you? Look, I I know I owe you one for rescuing Strathcona, but... There are families on this campground, and I would be sick if Gary got into the wrong hands. You do it for the children. I'll do
2: it to save you from the negligence lawsuit. How about that? I will take that. Hmm. I take up one of Hawthorne's rusty trowels and begin to scrape at the harsh, bone-dry dirt in search of a rifle that Hawthorne probably left in her car by accident. As I churn up scoops of Earth, I remember that I wanted to be a paleontologist as a kid. I don't know, an old, irrelevant memory, like suddenly hearing the theme song to your favorite show after a decade. Baby Sonny might have thought that digging around in the Badlands was the coolest thing possible, regardless of whether I was looking to unearth a fossil or a firearm. And then my arm starts to ache, and I think about reports and evidence and dossiers, and... The memory is scraped away.
0: I, uh, assume you still can't get a hold of Strathcona? You honestly think I'd take your skinny little arms over him? No, he must have slipped in. He's been under a lot of stress lately. Oh, gee, so he's not this surly all the time, then. Oh, has Strathcona not been informant enough for your tastes? He's a black box. He says he wants help
2: finding Melinda Moon, and then refuses to talk about her, or her family,
0: or her house. I can imagine. You haven't tried asking me anything yet. I... didn't realize you knew the Moons well. Shoot, I remember the day the Moons moved into town. Jasper and Melinda? Oh, goodness no. Darling, I am old. I remember their parents coming into town. They're a young couple from the next village over. Struck it rich off coal and mostly inheritance. When the coal industry finally gave up the ghost mid-century, I don't know, I suppose the moons moved out here for comfy suburbia in a tourist town. Hmm. What do you remember about them? I try not to concern myself with upper-crust folks, if you catch my meaning. But I do remember the kids well enough. Well, yeah. One of them is a murderous cult leader.
2: (sighs) (sighs) Look, I think we need to admit Gary is missing.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. Jesus. All right, let's go warn the family staying here then.
2: Huh? Oh, no, Hawthorne, wait. I want to know more about the moon kids.
0: Well, then why don't you come walking with me and we can warn the nice families about Gary together?
2: Lead the way, Camp Mistress.
0: <laughs> Ooh, Camp Mistress.
2: We crunch up the long, crooked path to the campsites a few drought-strangled trees throwing what little shade they can across candy-colored nylon tents and muddy RVs. The campers are still getting their days under them, and the dry desert air is thick with the scent of cowboy coffee and breakfast sausages on open fires. The campers' reactions to the unfortunate news about Gary the Gun range from wide-eyed motherly shock to stoner shrugs and laughs. No one has seen the missing hunting rifle, Everyone hopes we find it real soon. The proximity to citizens makes questioning even more difficult, and I find myself muttering in snatches to Hawthorne as we slink from site to site, ducking under clotheslines and avoiding overzealous retrievers. So, um, back to murderous cult leader and company. Uh, You were familiar with Jasper and Melinda? Uh,
0: Well, before, back when they were just babies. I actually recruited one of them to the park wardens. We always need an extra pair of hands, and truthfully, kids don't complain about chores too loudly as long as you let them bump along on a pony every once in a while. Was it Jasper? No, I never could get him to come out. But I did snag Melinda. Ugh, kid was a genius when it came to keeping our comms equipment in shape. And well, of course, wherever Mel went, Strathcona followed. Wait, Strathcona was a park warden, too? For how long? Well, uh, see, Melinda only lasted a summer or two. Eventually decided to leave town. I have no idea where to. Strath stayed for, well, long as he could, I suppose. And then? And then what? Well, Strathcona
2: isn't a warden anymore. You retired out of the job, but what about him?
0: Uh, well, actually, we called it quits on the very same day. But that ain't my story to tell. What happened? Oh, Fatal sticks, Hawthorne, hello? I forgot about this camper. Who are you talking about? Where are you pointing? That fellow sitting outside the RV with the, the purple and yellow stripes. He's not my biggest fan. Why don't you go talk to him? Oh, Hawthorne, wait. Who is that? Uh, see you around, kid. Thanks for your help. Hawthorne.
2: Um Ah, uh, hey there. Morning. I'm here to let you know that there's been a um... The camper looks up from their coffee and magazine, and I realize we've already met. Dr. Gillespie. Aren't
4: you popping up in the strangest places? The best investigators always do. I hate it.
2: Uh, so, funny story. This is super awkward, but um, Hawthorne asked me to tell you
4: uh, that Hawthorne is she part of your investigation? Why do you ask? What about Strathcona? What Strathcona? The man on the radio. Look, I heard you and Hawthorne talking about him earlier.
2: Um, I mean, he's cooperating with my investigation, I guess. Aren't you the one that calls him up to tell him if the center's open or not?
4: Only because I have to. I think you would do well to keep that man at arm's length, too. What do you mean? Listen, you wanted to know about Dr. Levesque? Well, Jasper Moon killed him.
2: Yeah, during the
4: Sparville incident, right? My god, if you insist on making such a spectacle of it, sure, you can call it that. The Vec went out to try to talk some sense into Mr. Moon, and it cost him his life. I'm sorry. I'm
2: still learning details about that night. I don't understand, though, what this has to do with Strathcona.
4: He was there. What? You want to know the rest? Maybe your new friend Strathcona will see fit to fill you in. If you can convince yourself to trust a word he says.
2: Normally, the cab of my truck is a sanctuary after an intel bomb like that. Vision narrowing to a pinprick focus as my lap becomes a sea of hastily scrawled notes and ideas fingers trembling slightly from the rush. But now my hands are rigid on my steering wheel, my blood feeling a whole lot like cement in my heart. There's no need for notes, of course. My wire hasn't moved since I promised Strathcona I wouldn't use it. I'm speeding, probably. Every kilometer that flings by I can hear Dr. Gillespie's warning echoing in my ears. Trust is such a fucking pain. All this time, I've taken everyone at their word. Hawthorne, Dr. Gillespie, yeah, even Strathcona. And sure, this case... Hell, this whole town's been tough to crack, but that's how things are supposed to be. Everyone is protective of their private lives. It's literally why I have a job. Even when those privacies mutate into secrets, secrets that can hurt people, tear lives apart, that's still just a slow Tuesday for a PI like me. But... This is the first time an informant of mine has had such a dark shadow cast over them. The notion that Strathcona was there on that day in the Badlands when four people died and my handler won't even tell me how or why. It, it doesn't just throw a wrench into my trust in Strathcona as a credible source. It, it shakes my very idea of him as a person. A cold feeling starts to creep over me as I drive. For a long blank moment I feel lost until I realize where my aimless navigating has brought me. (laughs) The moon house. It's still here, almost mocking the fact that anyone ever believed it to be otherwise. Oh, nothing has changed. The windows are still dark, the neglected flower beds are still dead, too dry to rot. Everything is just the same as it was on that strange day when Strathcona and I first met. Unbidden, the memory of Strathcona's face appears, of the terror in his eyes as he pressed up against the glass just two days ago. Then the memory of my first visit. Forgotten furniture, the shredded wallpaper, the awful, impossible double basements. No, there's only one person I can trust. was only ever one. Me. I'm going in. I skipped the back door. If this place really is untouched, then the front door should still be unlocked. (sighs) Alright... This place still empty? I'm... uh, Wait, what? The door to the basement. The second one that I found the first time I was here. It's gone. Circling the main floor, I double-check, and yes, the first basement is still here, but the second... No, I was confused, I guess. Uh, I guess? I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be, and I got turned around. There, There is only one basement in this house. There is only one basement in this house. That's better, right? Yeah. I move on to the east side of the house where the bedroom should be would Have been my first stop last time if I hadn't gotten so spooked. First one's to my right, it looks like the parents' bedroom. It's empty, apart from the phantom outlines of furniture along the walls. There's dirt on the floor. Everything's so dry it's impossible to tell how fresh. From Strathcona, maybe? And the closer I look, the more dirt I see. A trail leads from the first bedroom to the second. Not Tracks, more like soil falling from a wheelbarrow or something. The second bedroom is empty too, but it feels nicer in here. Less cold somehow. Someone tore down the old wallpaper and painted the walls to look like a sunset. Somehow, I can't imagine such a bright, happy room belonging to Jasper Moon, which would mean it's Melinda's. And if if this was Melinda's room, then where is... Drathcona! Shit. There's nothing here. Nowhere anything could be hiding. Except the one basement with its single door. This is so stupid. No one is here but me. And if Jasper had a bedroom anywhere in the house, it was probably in the basement because that's where older brothers go, right? I approach it the same way I did when I first broke into this house through the backyard. The door here is still open to the stairs below. The way down looks darker than ever. No power, of course. Uh, Oh, where's my phone? There. Some light, at least. Sure, okay, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Does this thing go? This this can't be right. Reeks of angsty teen-boy bedroom. Still no furniture, but half the wood-paneled walls down here have been painted black, and I can still see the ripped corners from old band posters. And a television, complete with VCR. Not only is there a VCR, I realize there are tapes. Four of them, labeled in no particular order. Sorry, doctor. Beacon instructions, and one with no label at all. I should take these back as evidence, but I sure as hell don't have a VCR of my own to view them on. So I start with sorry, doctor. What am I doing? What am I doing? Oh, wait. Rewind.
5: Alright. Such great work here, baby. Mom and dad would be so proud to think that I'm so close to finishing what our family started so many years ago that the moon legacy might finally be realized. I wish you could see it. And you can. You can. Just one final favor. That's all I ask. And yes, I found your fancy city address. How hard do you think it was to track down a Dr. Moon?
2: (laughs) Evidence. Finally. As I cram the first tape into my bag and swap in the second, I am almost giggling with relief. Oh my god, Nicholson is going to lose his mind when he sees this. Alright.
5: All under a great deal of stress. Do you still believe me? Like you used to? Hate me if it helps, but tell me you still believe in the world I'm trying to build. It's at hand, Melinda. Believe that. Along with this tape are my last prayers for that world. You will find a set of instructions. If you are still a moon in your heart, then you must build the beacon. And then you must dig. You know what for. I've sent you all the money I have left so that you might hire the help you require. Heaven knows there are plenty of money-grubbing amateur teams eager to go rooting around in the Badlands. But you must ensure you're the one carrying this out, Melinda. Only a moon can sift through the mud. You know what awaits us Echo echoes that will be heard for the first time in eons. Don't let that dream die with me.
2: Final tape has no label. I... I did it. Flickering image on the screen stuns me, and for a moment I forget why I'm even down here. In the video's frame is a woman. She's sitting exactly where I'm sitting right now. Muscular, razor edged, and perfectly still with terror. Her hands are strong and calm in her lap, but there's a pressure to her mouth that makes my stomach drop. She has the exact same coyote eyes as Jasper. Moon eyes.
5: Where you said, we found the first specimen you buried, which means your plan worked after all. Grandpa would have been on his knees. We'll wait for the final fossil, just as you instructed. But you didn't warn me that the door would open again. To what? What are we unleashing?
2: They're already ringing. Oh, God, these. What's happening? Why isn't she moving? What is that? Huh? What the hell? Oh, no, 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 no. Ah, shit! Shit!
1: Badlands Cola is written, directed, and produced by Renee Taylor-Clint. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Russ Moore and featured the voice talents of Brigand Snow, Liz Morey, Faye Holiday, Daniel Brin, Alvis Barkdale II, Ron Guan, and Aaron Rizal. Special thanks to our artist representative, Giancarlo Herrera. Visit BadlandsCola.com and follow Badlands Cola on Twitter for show notes, announcements, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Good night.
3: Space is lawless, dirty, inconvenient.
0: Who are you? <laughs> what the
3: hell is this? Release really, her immediately. Weapon system's activated. But that doesn't stop Roe from seeking to recover lost memories.
4: How long have you been experiencing memory loss?
3: I don't know.
4: And you don't remember anything between your teenage years and now.
2: A little vague snippets, but that's about it. It's, it's all one big
3: nebulous blur. Or from trying to find her place in a universe that seems hell-bent on destroying her.
0: A group splintered off and went for Roe instead of the bridge. They got into her quarters. Pretty sure they're all dead. You should have seen it. She's amazing.
3: Join Roe and the Spectre crew for a swashbuckling adventure through space. One that is sure to keep you guessing until the very last episode.
0: Dr. Amos? We've... We have a problem. It's Roe. She's... She's gone.
5: You can imagine that this news does not
3: make really me happy,
0: I... I know, Dr. Amos.
2: Grow
3: is a priority. Lift the live recall. Recovery agents have approval for shoot to kill. Carl, that's... Do it. Spectre, an indie sci-fi audio drama. Coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts in May of 2022.
2: Am I stuck here?
3: Not up to me. Excellent. Amnesia. Telekinesis, piracy, what's next?